sort of go through this list a little bit. Right? So, you can just run with it, sort of. Here's the quote. Oh, you got the quote already. I have a quote. Good job. Sometimes the reptile industry feels like uh, poop. Yeah, divided. But at Carpet Fest, it feels like family. You know what I mean? Me hanging out with you guys here feels like a, feels like family. Right. So, along the topics of family, this was the quote I wanted to go. For. A happy family is but an earlier heaven. Happy family is but an earlier. heaven. If you had an extra T to the butt, we could totally. That's what I was going for. I didn't know if you could flip that around. <laughs> because uh, even when I read it, looking at the the words on the page, happy family is butt. <laughs> and you, it's uh, at the ages our kids are. It, it pretty much is, but. I mean, it depends on how you feel about butt. <laughs> for me, I I I thoroughly enjoy butt. <laughs> I mean, if we're being 100% honest, which is the reason that we're starting this podcast so we can cut through all the crap, cut through all the bullshit, <laughs> and get straight to what's really going on with everything that we've ever talked about or anything we're ever going to talk about. Zero, zero crap. Just okay, well, maybe straight. we should get started. Let's start with a cheers. Oh, well, let me get my... We'll do an intro. I didn't fill a glass Wait, yet. Ge- but, huh? I didn't Come fill on. a glass. I brought a glass. All right. All right, fill this up. I Sorry, thought this was a perfect right. representation. I'm trying of... to just start this podcast right. Ryan wants to pour himself a drink. Well, because Garrett's already. Why don't had I seven. do an introduction, and then you can tell us all what we're drinking here? Cheers. Cheers. Slancha. Hey, welcome everybody to Searchable as Reptiles. Searchable as Reptiles podcast number one with Brian Cusco, Garrett Hartle. And whatever other entities we feel like bringing into the thing. But before we get started, we actually have uh, our sponsor for tonight, to Libations, to help us, I don't know, grease the wheels of justice a little bit. <laughs> Cut through the crap. <laughs> Cut through the crap. Uh, what, what are we going with today? This is Lagavulin. It's a Southwest Isler region scotch out of Scotland, as are all scotches. And it's tasty. It was... Malted barley that was malted through a uh, heating process that didn't use conventional heat. They actually burned peat moss and let the smoke it's like from the peat. super smoky. It's kind of like drinking a mellow cigar. It is. Yeah, liquid cigar. That's good. Or a campfire. It's like drinking your, your local campfire. Yeah, absolutely. My mouth tastes the way my body smells after camping. Exactly. That's a good way to put it. With a For little some reason, I enjoy heat. it. Huh? Yeah, no, I like it. I like it. That's good. And I, I should point out for those of you that are listening via audio, which is probably nobody yet until you've gone from the video over to the uh, audio version. Hi, video people. Um, I thought these glasses were appropriate. Garrett's drinking out of a reptile tub cup. You're literally like, a, you know, the replaceable drinking cups from his reptile rack. The deli cup. And I've got this uh, nice fancy glass made for drinking scotch. Uh, Whatever you call it. Honestly, Snipper. these these two containers are pretty representative of our personalities, I think. We both partake of the same things. I'm kind of like half-assed in the last minute over here, and you're a little bit more, you know, clean, well thought out. Yeah, you're just, crappy chic. You crappy chic. Crappy That's chic. That's the way it is. And this is a nice, nice glass that I 
But see, the thing about your crappy sheik is that that's that's paid for. You own it. Uh, <laughs> I, I still I still owe payments on this. <laughs> Maybe that's the secret. The well, secret to success. <laughs> All right. Well, guys, uh, as we get into it, I uh, you know, as we started this talking about doing a podcast, you know, we didn't really want to just do another reptile podcast. I think there are a lot of really fantastic content and quality podcasts out there with a bunch of awesome people that I know I love listening to, whether I'm cleaning the reptile room, taking a drive, or whatever the case may be. Um, so we wanted to try something a little bit different. And it, I think those of you guys that watched the Triple B, was, it was on your um, your vlog, right? About, we were talking about the idea of the podcast. Yeah, where it actually was born. You, you actually vlogged the moment there in the basement at the Tinley House this last March. Right. So if people want to dig it up, they can actually see the the mini brainstorm session of me and Brian on the floor there. And, um, you know, we wanted to uh, kind of launch it off of, of what it is that we are, who you know, who we are, what we do, but not necessarily make it about that, you know. So we can't. We, we decided it should be searchable as reptiles, which I think it's ridiculously became the name. But yeah, Brian wanted it, so Brian gets what he wants. <laughs> that sounds so inaccurate. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty accurate. It's pretty accurate. Maybe it is. But anyways, yeah, we wanted to make it. So you know, one thing that I was as I went back and I was thinking about this and the name and all that kind of stuff and why we're doing the podcast here. It's funny, but most of the guys that are podcasting are, are professionals of some kind. They have some, you know, other job in the workplace, nine to five, what have you. And the reptiles, even though some of them have, you know, very legitimate breeding projects and businesses and stuff, but they're not full time with it. You know, so so that's what they do to kind of cut loose and unwind. Whereas you and I are are doing that full time. And just like anything else, I mean, you know, they say if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. And I can kind of see the truth to that. But <laughs> at the same time, like yesterday when our one-hour box build turned into five hours, it, it started to feel like work. <laughs> it started to feel like work. Yeah, you didn't really want to do it. I, I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to do it. I was so. supposed to. I, I ended up doing a little bit and it ended up filming some of it. <laughs> well, uh, Brian and Kathy Farley stuck around and helped me out. They did. So Those guys from, did a great job. Oh, you know what? Before we get too deep into this, too, I'd like to give a shout out to um, to Owen and Eric at Morelli Python Radio because they're the first reptile podcast I ever listened to. I thought you were going to say you're going to give a shout out to them because us mentioning I, them in a podcast will make them mention our podcast so that we can skeeve off some of their listeners. Is that the strategy? Wait, no. I thought you went back to like you thought I was going to give a shout out to Brian and Kathy for helping out with the box build. <laughs> Because they deserve one because they stepped up huge and, and put in a lot of work. But No, I, we, we actually talk about NPR a lot. And, uh, you know, it, it's funny. We're coming off of Southwest Carpet Fest this weekend. Which is also inspired by Mr. Burke and, and Owen. Exactly. And, and, and I was at the Northeast, the OG, just, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it was a month ago now, but just does not seem very long ago. So I was over at, at Eric's house and everything. And, yeah, I mean, you know, definitely kind of the uh, – the uh they, they set the bar for reptile podcasts and stuff like that and that you know that's the thing that i was like you know those guys do it so well they're a perfect example of that that there's not really any reason for us to do that but my point was they're blowing off steam with the podcast with the reptiles i do the pod i do the reptile stuff all the time not podcasting but you and i both have youtube channels we're in the public eye in one way or another constantly every day 
as a profession. So I thought the podcast, we could flip it a little bit and have this be a way for us to blow off some steam along with anybody that wants to kind of follow along. Sure. You know, I, luckily, I mean, or luckily or not luckily, I'm feeling pretty good today. Like, I don't have a whole lot of steam. I feel I need to blow off. I'm f- oh, that's not what I meant. I meant just <laughs> recreational. You don't have to be upset to go want to play a little bit. I just wanted to play. Oh, yeah. Well, that's what I want to do every day. That, uh, my work ethic is, uh, I don't know. I don't want to talk about my work ethic. I work hard. I you do. have a work ethic. I mean, I, I work hard at playing. I play hard. Something like that. Yeah, I'm a work hard, play hard guy. You're just work hard at playing. Hard. Yeah, it could be something like that. Okay. Well, at any rate, Search by Reptiles, this is what we wanted to do. It's obviously going to be reptile-based because both Brian Cusco and I eat, breathe, and sleep thinking about reptiles. I mean, I was literally two nights ago sleeping on the floor of your reptile room in my sleep staring at your, your four temperature zone freedom breeder things thinking when can i get one of those and it's i mean it is kind of ridiculous so this podcast i would like everybody's i was gonna say i like everybody's permission but i don't you don't i don't need your permission no that's that's the whole diet that's the whole idea of this podcast is not feeling like you need to ask permission for anything you can you're welcome to follow along if you don't care i don't care so you know, step aside from being my professional self all the time. Everybody always yeah, says please, they like want to right see now. Me. Do it right now. You're being way too professional right now. I want you to step away from that. <laughs> Hold on. Step away from it. I, I do not pound that scotch, though. I will kick you out of my room. <laughs> you know, the quickest way to exit my house is slam back a glass of nice scotch. That's a good way to exit the building. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who brought this, by the way. Wouldn't it? Thank you to whoever left this after Carpet Fest. That was- it is definitely our first sponsored liquor for the episode, which, by the way, guys, send it in. Send in your stuff. It helped me get a lot less professional in these podcasts. That would be great. But whoever provided the, how do you say it? Lagavulin? Lagavulin. Lagavulin today. 16-year-old Scotch whiskey. Thank or Lagavulin. It, it, it kind of depends. I don't want to offend any Scotch enthusiasts. Yeah. Just so, kidding. all right. So, this is kind of goes over the who, what, you know, why, all that sort of stuff. But basically, you know, I mean, Brian and I are both ridiculously busy guys. This is this is going to be a, a a pretty cool platform, I think, because we can sort of plug in at our prospective locations. We can actually host this podcast together from opposite uh, ends of the country, you know. And we're planning to just start off doing this thing once a month. So. That's I was, I was thinking about that schedule. recently. And I, it's it's so much easier to do a podcast with somebody when they're sitting in the room with you. It really there's less technical difficulties to figure out. Don't don't start thinking. I'm about starting it. thinking about not, it. the fact not, that it's only once a month. We're I mean, not doing the fly back and forth thing. I'm <laughs> not funding you for that, Brian. I think that yes, that would be ridiculous. However, it would work out really well for my personal issues i feel like we see each other at least two or three times a year so two or three out of the 12 episodes we can do it your way okay the rest of the time we're doing it the way that it works we're going crappy chic with this thing baby okay i'm gonna teach you my ways all right all right i will just you may never be the same again the quality all around you will just go down (laughs) (laughs) yeah the next thing i know i will be drinking out of one of the removable deli cups and just be leaving my glass upstairs even though i could just walk up there and get it i'm like ah 
that's too far. It's too much effort. No more travel to make this better. I'm just going to do it right here with what I've got and not leave my house. Absolutely. Well, you know, so we uh, just had to provide a little uh, context for you guys. We just came off of a nice big fat sushi lunch with your beautiful wife, Hillary. And she had some, some I, you know, I mean, I'm not surprised because she actually always has good ideas. But she had some, some pretty good perspective, you know, in what, what she wanted to launch in this podcast. Yeah, I don't remember what they were. <laughs> well, one of the big things that she had, and, and I know that she's onto something here because I guess ask this all the time. But just kind of like on a, on a business side of things, because we do do it full time. And I think a lot of people would like to do that if they really thought that they could, you know. Uh, I think a lot of hobbyist keepers are like, well, my goal is to get the animals to just pay for themselves so that I can run my hobby at the level I want it to, have them pay for themselves. But to have them, like, in my case, also pay for my paycheck, you know, have uh, my wife be able to work from home, house, mortgage, bills, all the things that we do, and the, the fact that the reptiles actually pay for all that kind of stuff. Um, and I know it hasn't been very long. I mean, it's only been it, literally two years this July for me. Wow. Time does fly, though, because it doesn't seem like that long ago to me that you were like, I'm going to go full time with reptiles. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I've been doing the game for a long time. And my wife, Ashley, her point was like, you make money for everybody else all the time. Why don't you do this for yourself? And it, it was just two years ago that it seemed impossible. But at the same time, I am the kind of guy I don't have any problem trying something that's impossible to see if I fall flat. And I, I swear every time I write myself a paycheck or it's like days away from, you know, Reach Out Reptiles writing Garrett Hartle his paycheck for the week or whatever, um, that I'm like, oh, I wonder if this will be able to happen. <laughs> I think that's why Hillary wanted to talk about it because you have a business mind and you're able to do business things successfully, whereas she knows for a fact, and I know for a fact that I <laughs> do not know how to do that. My, my business mind is, this feels good. <laughs> I'm going to go with this because it feels good. Well, I, I, I honestly, I mean, that's funny, but I actually have to disagree with you there. I think a lot of your efforts are, are top-notch. They're legit. You're drinking out of the finest scotch glass there. And, you know, I mean, I don't know, just in the short period of time that I've known you, it's simply been a matter of monetizing what you're already doing. So That's a, the part I suck at. It was a small mindset you know, thing for me, I'm not doing anything different. The small s switch for me that happened had to happen in my mind is, is not being afraid to step away from that regular paycheck and allowing the business to do and be what it is going to do and be and, and providing a paycheck for myself, you know, like step outside of that security of, okay, well, my pay might be lower, you know, but I, I work, X amount of hours, I have my health care, I have all that kind of stuff. So I just had to switch it from being, you know, I've always been in sales and marketing. So in one way or another, I'm in charge of bringing money into the company. And one of the funny things from a sales and marketing perspective, I think every employee of every business thinks this way. We all have opinions of how our bosses spend the money that comes into the company, whether we make it or not. But if you're the guy making the money and you, you know, you're powerless as you watch that guy spend all the money you made, oftentimes not on things that you would want to do. It's, it's, you know, annoying. You can't focus on it or else you'll get stressed out. You have to just completely be like, whatever, that's my boss. He can do what I want. And that's always been my mindset. You know, but Ashley's thing was, 
you always made the money. And so for some reason, I was afraid of making money. I've always been confident that I could spend the money. I'm, turns out I'm pretty good at spending money. <laughs> but I was afraid to make the money. So it was just like, I am making money. I just have to make it for me and not them. You know, and like your thing was, you're, you're doing what you're doing. And it was just, you know, like kind of going, thinking unconventionally about ways that you can monetize your efforts. Yeah. So, I, so let me ask you this. Well, like you just, did that for me, to be fair. I'd, well, I, I don't know why I do that for everybody. I'm like, you know what's cool about you and how you can make money doing it? I sit in the shower. You know this. I, know, I sit in the I shower know. and I think about how people can monetize their efforts. I just have fun and you think of good ideas for me to, uh, I don't know, you've given me a lot of good ideas, like a ton of good ideas. Well, I, most of people will never notice this because you don't do anything for me at all, but I'm actually your manager. We did talk about that. <laughs> we did talk about. I'm pretty sure we sealed the deal. We started making money and that was that, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, but in all honesty, I mean, there's a lot of people that, that don't, they just don't put in the effort. They're not interested. They're not motivated, whatever the case may be. People like you, you're putting in the effort, you know, and it, it's funny to me because selfishly and honestly, my motivation is money. I mean, I love reptiles. You know, but, but I mean, I don't have anything but superdorfs at all right now. And it is true that superdorf reticulated pythons are my favorite reptile, but there's a lot of other stuff that I love. So sometimes I sit back and I kind of think, you know, if I really love reptiles as much as I say that I do, I'd probably have at least a pet reptile. But instead, I, I don't. I'm like, nope, you're not working in the business and out you go. I mean, is that kind of some, some of that thing of like, uh, you know, don't don't shit where you swim or don't eat where you take a crap. I mean, what, what is, is that partially that? I, yeah. I mean, kind of, well, for me, it's like, honestly, dude, if I was ranching roly polies, I would love them, name them, have fun with them and all that kind of stuff. So I, my thinking was like, as long as I love everything anyway, I'll just pick my pets amongst the ones that are financially doing good for me. So yeah, it's, it is kind of there, but, and, and, uh, Reptile care is similar regardless of of the species. So if I am cleaning, feeding, and stuff all day long, to come home and do that for another reptile feels like I'm not home. So, yeah. But uh, my question to you is, like, if, if we back this stuff up a bit, both of us had very different journeys in getting to this point where we're like, you know what? This is our business. The reptile thing is what I'm going to do full time. I'm going to focus on that until it makes me money. Right. So, how, how, you know, explain to us how that happened to you. What was that process from you? Because, like, you had different jobs and things going on. How did that evolve into let's just focus on maybe that one? Was it like an aha moment for you where you're like, I need to do this professionally? And how did you get to that moment? And what, for our listeners that might be thinking that they can do that too, that they all would like to try that, but. How did you take that jump, that leap of faith for the first time? I mean, I, I did it a long time ago. My last real nine to five clocking job was like 15 years ago. And I played music professionally. It took me it took me a few months to think about making that jump to go and do that. There was a band starting up in Washington with dudes that I had met at a music school when I was 18. I jumped away from them for a while and they found my 
number. They found my grandmother's phone number in the phone book trying to find me to start this band. And they came and approached me. We're like, we got some shows booked and we want to start this band. If you can go to Washington, we're going to be home base up there. Um, and I thought about it and I talked to my boss about it at the time. It was a good job, you know, a, a solid, solid job. Um, yeah, you looking up at the ceiling just now made me totally <laughs> lose my track of thought. I asked them to not slide chairs up there so that we can. So what you're saying is you, 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 your first jump was more into the musician lifestyle. It was. That was my so first jump. So when you made a jump from kind of musician to reptiles, you just rolled it over. Well, when I did move back from Hawaii, I worked with my uncle doing learning construction, which has helped out a ton with reptile keeping and reptile, you know, building this room. I wouldn't have known how to do that without doing that work with my uncle. But that still wasn't like what I consider a nine to five because I was able to basically work with him when I would work with him, when there were jobs and when I, I could leave whenever I want, I could start whenever I wanted. But you're not doing that now. I'm not doing that now. Exactly. No. So, I mean, you, you're cut off. You're cut off from traditional and conventional ways of, of making that money. So, you know, when you cut yourself off, I, I think that's a big, I understand construction. You can like pick it up and as you go, and there's a lot of jobs. And, and certainly I think, for those of you guys that have jobs like that that are thinking about moving over to reptiles, you can almost wean yourself off a job like that. Whereas mine was different. I had a I had a salary, I had my benefit package, and I just you know. Here, here's but. a good here's a good point. There's a lot of different things. I think a lot of people think about oh how am I going to get into reptiles and make money doing it. Breeding is the first thing everybody thinks of. I feel like or most I say 95 percent of people think I'm going to breed reptiles to make I agree. money. I agree. And I remember there's one th one thing Forrest said a while back that there's lots of other things out there you can do involving reptiles. Cause I don't, I don't make my, my income from breeding reptiles does not support what I do. It's the, it's the videos, it's the working with reptile companies and freedom breeder, of course. Um, but yeah, there, there's so many different things you can do working with reptiles to become a professional at it. It doesn't have to be breeding reptiles, which seems to be where everybody's mind is a lot of the time. No, I, I think you're absolutely right. I think everybody says, well, this snake is worth this much on this advertisement page or whatever. And so if I rub two of these snakes together, I'll get on average X amount of those snakes worth on average X amount of money. Forrest, you're saying he likes to call that calculator cowboys, you know, which I think is a perfect term for it. You know what I mean? That you're, you're kind of not factoring in all the stuff that goes into it and all the things that could go wrong. And you're looking at these numbers and those are valuable numbers for determining like the investment of one decision in buying reptiles versus others. They, they're very valuable for that. But those numbers that you write down on a piece of paper are, are nothing like what your salary is going to be if you buy those animals. And pull right. And I, I did that when I was first. I, I wrote out I wrote out numbers and tried to figure out, you know, give some projections and laid out spreadsheets and trying to figure out what you know give it realistic like you know account for things that were potentially going to go wrong you know and, and all that stuff and whether or not it was accurate i don't know that's what i'm saying well, on the I, business side i don't i don't i'm not a numbers guy you know what i mean I, that stuff just bores me to death so i can't even i can't bring myself to do it and and i i remember um actually you having sometimes uh, not a challenge or whatever, but it's like you don't know what you don't know and, and you don't think about those kinds of things. But in the beginning, that, that perception shift away from what you're saying is that I'm a reptile breeder and that's how I'm going to make my money into following, you know, being letting your business be organic, watching where you're really, you know, making a difference 
and then following that, put you know, doubling down on that. So, for example, for you, uh, you I remember at one point we were talking about you were thinking about vending a certain reptile show, and you were talking about putting out displays, and I don't have that many babies to put out, and da 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 da. But by that time, you were already you know, podca- uh, not podcasting, but uh, vlogging, and you had your Triple B channel and all that stuff, and everybody knew you. I, I mean, from my perspective, people were talking about, have you heard of this Brian Cusco guy? Yeah, he's doing a great job, like has excellent video production quality and all this kind of stuff, and he's bringing all that into the reptile world. And so that's what everyone was getting excited about. You, Nobody ever said, oh, you know, this Brian Cusco guy, he just hatched a clutch of such and such. Not that you haven't had cool snakes, but you are being known for the unique bent uh, skill level and perception that you had in the industry. And so when you were talking to me about vending, I said, no, you know what you need to do is you need to take a picture of this room that we're all used to seeing you on your channel and make that the backdrop of your booth. Bring all your camera and sound equipment, meet everybody there and have a booth where you can shoot videos from. Do you remember this? Oh yeah, of course I remember. Because it. this was after the March Tinley when it's we just met. And one you of were... hundred ideas you gave me that I that I acted on. Well, I, I just and the reason I had it was I was hilariously watching you lug like ten giant bags of equipment <laughs> from so person's ridiculous. booth to booth and setting up. And you're such you're so anal about the production quality of stuff that you couldn't leave anything behind. But you looked so ridiculous doing this. And I was like. And now he's talking about having a booth and putting some snakes on it? Like, why you're selling your snakes on your channel anyway? Why are you trying to sell snakes at a show? You need to just put all that crap in your booth. I am gonna bring some snakes to Papona in a couple weeks. Well, bring some snakes, but the point is, you know, you throw them in your your booth that's a YouTube booth. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, I'm at one point, my, a, wife, my wife spent the whole weekend lugging your crap around for you. Do you remember that? Helping you set up and things like that because she was bored. Oh, your wife. I was like, my wife? No, my wife. wife She came to one of the shows. Oh, yeah. Huge shout out Ashley Hartle. She's uh, one of my biggest supporters. Oh, she's she is. She is. And and she's awesome person. But she gets sick of listening to me talk to reptile people at shows after a while and ignore her. So she's like, well, I'm going to go somewhere. I feel need it. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, yeah. So, I mean, that that was kind of like. The solution was staring me in the face, and I don't know what it is as the type of person I am or the way I think or something. I just think about everybody's problems and the problems with the world when I'm taking a shower. And every now and then I get that light bulb moment, you know, and then I call you from the shower, and I'm like, Brian, I'm taking a shower right now. Yes, I'm naked, but I have something for you. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> That's such a horrible way to say it. Oh. But you know you've been the recipient of that phone call on yeah, a number of occasions. I mean, those weren't the exact words you used necessarily, but I mean, uh, apparently it doesn't matter if we're filming a podcast. We can just... Hi, how's it going? Hi, I'm Dr. Beamer. Hi, I mean, otherwise we're not going to be able to keep recording this podcast like we're doing right now. Okay. Sounds like another good Hillary idea. <laughs> we were just talking about all your good ideas. <laughs> yeah, we heard this chair scraping upstairs and all that, and it was uh, yes, there were. There was two. Okay. There were two chair scrapes. Yeah. I love you, other family. Goodbye. Have fun at karate. <laughs> no, in all seriousness, though, it's been cool. 
uh, flying out here for Carpet Fest. I didn't even look for a hotel. I figured I would just sleep in your reptile room or on the floor or whatever. But if you ever come to my town and you book a hotel, I will be severely offended. Because I I feel like at this point we're practically family with everything we've been through. Yeah, I mean that's the way I look at it. Then yeah. I sure as hell ain't looking for a hotel when I come out to your town. <laughs> No way in hell. Well, we'll get to that later because I actually want to make a point of that, you know, with a family thing with Carpet Fest and everything. And, uh, and you know, I'd love to kind of unpack everything that happened over the weekend. But, but yeah, so for you, uh, starting the business, it was it was just like an organic, slow conversion type of deal. Because I feel if, like you really know what you're all about now. No, it's, no I, I don't know. I mean, I know myself. I know it's in my heart. But how I, how I go about doing it is a daily lesson for me every day i learned something new about myself i feel like which is strange in many ways but um and, and learning what what parts of me i'm ready to share with the rest of the world but i find the more that i do share the things i really feel and think about with the rest of the world as scary as it is it's scary at times like i'm thinking this like do i want to share this like people because people somebody's gonna not like it and oh yeah it's, it's part of me what Oh no, I, I'm just agreeing with you, like oh, the public eye thing, like throwing it's, yourself out It's a out part there. of me. It's a very personal part of me, and then um, you know you have to. It's helped me build a little thicker skin because you know I grew up very worried about what people thought about me. It kept me very removed from a lot of parts of society, whether it was school events or, or just people in general. You know, and, and social aspects of life kept me away from that. Um, the the fear of what somebody thought about the real me. Yeah, and so I learned more and more that the, the more real I am with everybody about what it is that's going on with me, that the more support I get for it. Then there's granted, there are always a couple people that are like, that sucks. You suck. And you just have to be ex ready to accept the fact that not everybody's going to like you, the real you. And that's, that's fine. Cause we're all different people and doesn't everything, everything doesn't jive with everybody all the time. You know, it does the, the world is such a diverse place that it can't possibly be that everybody agrees on the same stuff and everybody likes everything about everybody because then, we'd have nothing to contrast the stuff that we do like. It's like you have things that you don't like to c figure out what you do like. So I'm steering way away from the business thing, which is what? Oh, no, I, I was just I was going to say that uh, I actually came, you know, have a very different, a very much been a not care what people think kind of a guy. But at the same time, you know, you're talking about how when you're the real you and people encourage you with the stuff like that's been huge for me surprisingly to me because i i'm not like i have very little of that kind of codependent not saying that's what you are but i know you know that that's a, a real thing for a lot of people trying to win a lot of people's approval but i'll tell you like when you get those like loyal people that can kind of I, I don't know for whatever reason even through a camera lens they get you and they get what you're going through and they leave that poignant comment of support you know that to keep you in there they might get what you're showing, but there's a lot of stuff behind the camera, behind the scenes and stuff, the th things that you're thinking and going through that, that don't get shown. Yeah, and, uh, and those supportive comments really revitalize, refresh, and strengthen you to, to continue doing what you do. Yeah, I, I feel like I veered way away from your question about business, but that's, like, that's what I do. A business stuff, like when you start talking, just the word business just makes me want to turn away a little bit because I don't, and that's why... I think I have gone down this way and why I'm okay with working really hard at what I don't consider business. Because if I was going to do stuff for money, then I would do stuff for money. I don't want to, you know, it's like, 
that that's the whole problem I have with like uh, being a pre- professional at anything, I guess, or a business is like, I, I want to be true to myself. Otherwise I should, just, I might as well just go get a regular job where I clock in and clock out and I can just make money doing something that doesn't matter to me all that much. And, you know, make it be a supported, support the family and have enough money to pay for bills and, and electricity and a house and food and all that stuff. And if I focus on what I'm doing like that, then I might as well not work, bust my ass to do things I like if that's my drive. If my drive is to pay the bills. Well, and I, I think I speak for a, a lot of people that may end up listening to this that know you from your channel, um, that kind of the inspirational side of what it is that you're doing is watching you just go ahead and, and you do you and do your thing that makes you new, unique and you, you're basically, your entire struggle has just been to accurately capture and project what it is that you love about the world. And then whether it's me coming with my ridiculous naked shower advice, Freedom Breeder coming uh, as a sponsor, or any number of people have basically been inspired by what you're doing and wanted to offer their services to help you along the way so that other areas where you may have a weakness, someone else is like, hey, I see that that guy has a weakness where I have a strength. Maybe I can throw in with him so that he can continue doing what he's doing that inspires me so I can do what I do. That that's definitely happened. That's yeah, happened. so that it's I mean that's kind of cool, and I think that's something that you know anybody taking notes might want to write down. You know, is you, you do you first, figure that out, and allow the rest to kind of come, right? Yeah, and some a lot of that, that sounds starts to sound cliche, like yeah, just do you, bro, just do you. But it's true. the The reason that these phrases that come about that become cliches because there's truth behind them, and all of those cliches that you always hear that there's a reason they became popular phrases because there is truth behind them if you are true to yourself a hundred percent everything else will fall into place and one other point i like to make a lot is that it's not easy it's not easy you're gonna struggle you're gonna cry sometimes painfully publicly yeah (laughs) and you're gonna embarrass yourself potentially if you go you know if you go the way i go then you're definitely gonna embarrass yourself um but but nobody can take it away from you when it's all said and done because it is it is you and nobody can be like oh you should change that and i i on that point i am open to all kinds of criticism like i i do listen a lot to what other people have to say because i often find value in that you know especially when somebody has a disagreement with what i i like to try and engage in a conversation with somebody disagrees with me because then i can find out like what it is and why and i can add that to myself and make myself better and broaden my horizons and be able to say all kinds of other crazy cliche shit that sounds good. Well, and I, I think the uh, the other side of it, too, is that, you know, a lot of us are doing a lot of things that other people are doing, too. But the difference uh, between, I think, you and I and a lot of the rest of the world is is authenticity, you know. And so that's refreshing in a world full of bull crap is just somebody sitting down and being authentic. I think that's my daily struggle is to really get what's in my heart and bring it across in a way that people can understand it. Right. You know, cause it's easy to sit down with you. It's easy to sit down face to face and like you just peer deep into my soul, right through my pupils and like, see what, what it is. And that's why, that's why we're friends. And that's why anybody I'm friends with, I'm friends with Cause well, I wasn't looking into your pupils. You I'd just were, don't lie. You just look deep into my pupils. <laughs> Made me slightly uncomfortable, but that's why I become friends with the people I'm friends with. Is those people like you, see me you see the real me and and you like what you see and i'm like 
great. I don't need to put on any kind of whatever, what, whatever, whatever. But no bullshit. You just you see me, and uh, I wouldn't say I liked what I see. I saw potential that you weren't reaching. <laughs> this guy's a mess. I think I need to help. Yeah. Well, that yeah. I'll take you know, it's like that. a baby drowning in a pool. Who isn't gonna jump in? You know what I mean? <sighs> oh man. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it because you know, <laughs> I hear drowning's a pretty tough way to go. <laughs> well, let's see if I can let's see if I can back up and figure out how the heck I turned this into a business. I mean, when I was a kid, I actually bred reptiles for money, but I had a support system too, so it was totally different. Like, I mean, I was living in my parents' house, so if I failed, whatever. You know, it's a totally different thing living on your own or like me, wife and kids. Now, if you fail, it's like big deal, you know. So it's terrifying, and the scarier something gets, the harder it is to do anything new even if it's a good idea so there was that coupled with the fact that like when i started superdorf retics was the thing that i was going to do it was the thing that i loved it's what i've been working on and what i decided to really push and pursue and uh there wasn't much market for them there really wasn't i mean they uh everyone goes oh superdorfs are so new and exciting they're not i mean they've been around for decades they were just underappreciated and so Maybe that that might be the craziest thing about me starting my own business was that I didn't chase a ball python market or an established, even reticulated python morph market or whatever. I kind of, um, I set out to start a business around bringing a value to something that was undervalued, where I saw all the positives and, and the potential of, of the drowning baby of super dwarves you know, and I wanted to bring that to the world. So it was almost like not only am I going to monetize reptiles, but I'm going to do it without the safety net of like most people are shocked to learn that I've literally I've never bred a ball python. And it almost seems like nothing against ball pythons or whatever. But I, I feel like a lot of people that are getting into reptiles today, ball pythons are a stepping stone to get in there. Or like boa constrictors. I, I have bred boas, but never to sell. I just had some pets that had some babies kind of a thing. So I, I haven't really ever worked with any of these very common species um, to be able to have that safety net of like a, a good money-producing project on the side while I develop what I loved. And I think that's probably where I got a lot of the passion and drive for my business that I have because I had no other option. And like I said, I didn't do construction part-time. I didn't have a band. I have no musical talent, and the only dance this white boy can do is with that piebald retake over there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I So it's like I have a lot of giftings in one specific area, and I suck at everything else. So it's all or nothing. You know, it was all or nothing. Quit, quit your corporate job. And, you know, I mean, just to, just to pile on, my wife was pregnant with our fourth kid at the time I quit. She was halfway through her pregnancy, which is terrifying as it is. Everyone's like, oh, I got to get a lot of money because I'm about to have a kid, you know, and not to mention medical expenses and everything else that are incurred with that stuff. So, yeah, I don't know. For, for me, that, that was it. it I, you know, honestly, it was the, the goading of my wife. Everything seemed like a terrible idea to me, timing-wise, financially, and everything to do what I did, but weirdly, and I don't know why, but Ashley, I think, just believed in my abilities to make this happen more than she believed in all the reasons why it shouldn't happen. 
So she was the one that gave me that push. And with her saying that, not it being like my thing I'm trying to convince my wife of, that's probably the only reason why this ever happened. I didn't I didn't realize that at all. I just kind of assumed that you like kind of had to convince Ashley this is what I want to do and I'm going to really try and do it. I didn't I had no idea it was the other way around. No, the, yeah, the funny thing is anybody that knew me like before when people would say like, "Hey Garrett, what do you want to do when you grow up?" you know? And it's weird. I have this like calling or this purpose to to for some reason sell reptiles. It's strange but literally been doing it all my life but that's never that was never my answer as to what i wanted to do when i grew up i used to always give the example of one of my uncles who lives in a box factory and he gets his schedule of work for the year on the back of a business card and his life is that predictable and he just works on an assembly line i'm like well i'll do that if i have to if it, if, i mean if it pays for it my job is not my life you know i'm gonna live for my family and all the things that i do when i'm not at work so I don't really care what my work is. I'm gonna just do the work that comes to me and make it work. Speaking of uh, breeding super dwarfs, you figured out yet uh, what year it was that you started that? Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I want to talk about. I want to talk about <laughs> about <laughs> what. Uh, we've had some interesting conversations over the weekend because of sleep deprivation, maybe alcohol consumption, you know, good conversation and a blend of all the above. Yeah, I'm not letting you dig out of this one. So do you <laughs> or do you not actually recall meeting my father? I do. Yeah. You recall meeting my father? Yes, I remember meeting your okay, father. You need to talk into your microphone, sir. The, uh, <laughs> I remember meeting your father. Right. So I know for a fact that you have not met my father. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. And uh, Dad, can you help us out? <laughs> I mean, we <laughs> could call my stick dad up, right now. But... Stick up for me on this one, please, Mr. Cusco. Just even if it's not true, say that we've met so that I'm not insane. <laughs> no, I, can, I can vouch for that because I know that if you had met my dad, you would have remembered the conversation you had. It wouldn't be like, oh, yeah, I met him. You would know what you guys talked about because that's the way that it would go. I already know. So, so Brian is trying to stick me with a bunch of crap now that the record button is going that we brought up last night. We stayed up last night and I was talking about how uh, a lot of times I have, uh, and I don't know what, I don't want to take a, a psych lesson here or whatever, but I have things in my life where I have like repressed memories and stuff. And then I have other things that are, you know, the story like, for example, I always tell the story. People are like, well, how'd you get into reptiles? And I said, well, I don't know. But my mom always tells me a story. When I was a kid, I caught a snake. I was two, caught at midsection and turned around biting me. And I was saying, ow, mom, look at it. Ow, isn't it pretty? Ow, can I keep it? And so I think a lot of us can relate to this. I probably don't remember that moment. I was two years old, but I feel like I do. And I've been telling the story my whole life. So the weird thing is I've gotten to a point in my life where when I tell about an event, I can't, I, I have a hard time actually remembering the actual event anymore. I just remember myself telling about the event at a certain point in time. So I was talking with Brian about different instances. I, I felt like I had met his sister when she was pregnant and his he was dad. dead. You were dead convinced that you had met my sister. Like I had to go back. I'm still convinced that I've met your sister. And you're telling me that I haven't and I don't believe you, but... Yeah, you're saying that, oh, it's because you watch my vlog. We went back such a good vlogger, and it's so hyper-realistic that I've implanted my vlog into your fondest memories of your brain. Yeah, which apparently there. has happened, because we went back and date-checked it so we could fact-check it and about what you remember. 
and uh, came to the realization that through those dates, it was impossible that you met my sister in the fashion that you thought you had. So anyone listening, this is my weakness. We're uncovering it right now. And if your strength is figuring out why I'm so screwed up in the head, give me a call separately. Help me out here a little bit. I've been, uh, I'm not a doctor, but I've, I've been uh, recommending the possibility of a psilocybin uh, mushroom uh, thing, maybe even just a microdose or, or whatever. Um, just, just something. I mean, I didn't mean to, I'm not uncovering a weakness here for you. I'm just, I'm, I'm wanting, uh, <laughs> see, it was a good, it you're was just wanting good somebody to partake of the magic mushroom with you. That's what you're wanting. Well, last night, <laughs> last night, it seemed like a really good idea to bring this up on the podcast, which is why I brought it up right now. And then after you started talking about how it's a weakness, I don't know, then I started feeling bad about it. <laughs> hey, I'm, you know, I, I don't care. I'll, you know, I'm, my weaknesses are part of who I am. They're actually more of who I am than I I don't, I don't consider so that it a weakness. That's why I think it's pretty cool that you, you th- think you met my dad through, uh, <laughs> well, that was like a, a kind of a ridiculous example, but actually the question you first asked me was, when was the first time I bred reticulated pythons? And I was talking about it last night, and I was like, that's one of those things I should know. Yeah. But I, I, I don't know when the first time, and I can remember e- events happening, and I can place them and match them with other events to get the year. But so I'll be like, oh, you know, uh, 2009, that's the first time I bred reticulated pythons. But then I, I'm like, no, wait, because I had a clutch of those like 10 years before that or whatever the case may be. And so I, I honestly, I don't know. I don't know the year that I first bred the species I'm working with. I always tell people 20 years. I've been working with them 20 years because I remember getting my first dwarf retic 20 years ago. I haven't been obviously breeding that long because – I would have even had to grow that up, and I'm pretty sure I never bred that. That original animal was a, a jampea. I don't think I ever bred it. Um, so it must have been a number of years later. But I, I, yeah, I, I'm, I can't remember. Yeah, it's just crazy to me that there's like a six-year gap between when you may have produced your first reticulated python clutch, I mean, or super dwarf clutch. To- yeah, exactly. It's like, I don't know, somewhere in there. Well, I, but I mean, it's, it's not just that. It's little things. So Brandon Wheeler over the weekend had asked me how many clutches I had this year. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> and I don't think people can relate, but honestly, I don't think it's that weird. I get a bunch of crap. I think, I think every one of us in the reptile industry is a nerd to certain extents. Most nerds are traditionally very good with art or with math. I'm more of a nerd that's good with art. So I, every, I approach everything with like kind of an artistic, uh, uh, way of doing it. So I, I don't keep good records. I mean, the, the extent of my records, and I know this is bad and I should fix it, but I'll put a piece of masking tape on a cage and write notes as I need to on an animal. And then whenever I move it from one cage to the next, I move the masking tape. That's records. I know. I'm just saying like, and it it feels like discipline for me to even do that. So I was telling him like, and I told you this too, like, well, I know I had eight clutches within an eight week period because those were round numbers. And I've been telling people that like, oh, I've had eight clutches in the last eight weeks. And then I know that that was probably half ish of my production for the year. So I, I just told Brandon, I was like, more than 10, less than 20. I don't know. Well, I used to keep really good records for the first little while. Like I got all these QR codes on the cards and I scan, would scan and, you know, every time an animal defecated, I would weigh it and, and right. you know, document the weight, which there is a benefit to keeping track of stuff like that. But for me, I, I lost what that benefit was and it never revealed re- itself to me. So it seemed like a waste of, it started to feel like a waste of time to yeah. document that stuff. Well, and I, I did the same thing. In the beginning, I would take all kinds of records, and I had you know books like this composition book full of stuff. I had like one of these for every animal. And I would put out and do all this note-taking, and I had a range of species and all this stuff. 
And then I think with experience, things like how much your animal weighs before and after it poops is probably not relevant to being successful with that animal from a husbandry uh, standpoint yeah, exactly. over the long term. I, I, I've reverted to my original thing for success, which is just feel it out. I feel everything out. And I, I know, but you, but, but so there is validation in keeping notes because until you develop a gut feeling, you cannot feel it out. You may need to refer to notes, especially if you're asking for help. Like if someone's like, hey, help me, my animal's asking like this. I have to ask, well, you know, what did it do this? What's it doing? What's it over there? And I have to get enough information over text or phone call or, or Facebook Messenger or whatever so that it, I can apply my gut feeling to the circumstance that their animal is Sure, doing. sure. Yeah, no, that, that's definitely not a, a recommendation to anybody to not keep records. It's just <laughs> I've ended up uh, – I do still keep some record of stuff, but luckily I, I make a video every day, so if I want to – uh, remember when a clutch was hatched let's go back and see what day the video was that yeah the clutch was hatched. <laughs> yeah yeah for sure i i've been known to ask my customer hey what's the hatch date on that animal i sent you do you still have that little card i wrote you because uh you know i i don't have a master record for that kind of thing but i'll tell you one of my heroes in the hobby and i know that you eugene Bissett. i know right. that's who you're okay say exactly right yeah that's exactly the road i'm going so eugene Bissett uh runs gourmet rodent and it's one of the largest reptile breeding facilities in the world. And he, the thing that he says is the most valuable is his The data. record keeping, yes. The record keeping. And he has, so I felt like in the beginning when I had two animals, I kept records. But now that I have a lot, I don't need to. And the funny thing is his level is like a thousand times what mine probably will ever be. And he's gone back to record keeping. It's funny. It's, it's kind of interesting to me. So and and I'll tell you, I would love to be able to go back and and all of those little things when you compile and compute them, which there's so many so many softwares and things that we can do that these days, can give you information that you're like, wow, I didn't know that. I get it automatically. So like a lot of my business comes through PayPal. It's just kind of how I charge customers. It works well for me. Yeah, Text them, they feel safe with it. So it's really cool to pull random reports sometimes on paypal so things that i don't think that you know, it's stuff that i would have never kept records on for the business or anything like for example how many of my sales are going to existing customers versus bringing in new customers you know and that that's a pretty important number because if it's all existing customers your company is dying you know if it's all new customers your quality sucks or your customer service or something so you want to have a good number of new customers coming in, but a very healthy base of, of existing customers. So I can see, like, right now I'm at 70-30. 70% new customers, 30% existing. You know, so I feel like that's a pretty good number because my company is experiencing fairly rapid growth and exposure at the time. You know, so to, to have the number of existing customers even keeping up with new customers coming in, I mean, I, you know, I've showed you my phone. Sometimes people are like, well, are you really that busy? And it's like, well, I got you know, 300 emails and 90 text messages so far today, you know? Yeah. So, so for the 30% to even keep up with the 70 is crazy to me. And I, I never would have, you know, cared to look at that data, you know, but, but having it compiled over the past couple of years, it really starts to paint a pretty cool picture for you. And that's just one that number is more one of like affirmation for what my company is doing. The more important ones would be the ones where you're lacking things that you really need to address, you know, and you, I might feel like I need to address this or that, but if we go on our gut with that kind of stuff, 
we're really just uh, basing our business decisions on our emotions or what stresses us out, not necessarily what our need, business needs to be doing. Yeah, no, I just, uh, that's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, that, yeah, so basically just to kind of wrap that up, I mean, for my business, the way that it started is I had the background in reptiles. I had a strong network within the reptile community. I definitely had the business sense of things, having, you know, run the income side of multiple different businesses and even managed in a lot of areas, you know, the daily operations and stuff like that and some, some larger companies. So um, being able to, and, and I also uh, did a lot with branding, brand development for different companies, which is a very, very important. I think more important than most people give it credit for with a startup company is the branding. And I'm not talking about having a schnazzy logo and a theme song. I'm talking about communicating to your customers who you are and why you do what you do through a brand where they, they see you and they instantly know what you stand for and developing that. So I had all of those background skills and really it was just Ashley's real, like, I mean, I don't think anyone would have agreed with her, including myself, that that would have been a good idea at that point in time. But after two years now, I can say it has been, from a business perspective, it's been awesome. My challenge will be, and maybe we can, you know, quiz me on this next month, you know, when we come back to this, uh, I'll throw it out here. I'll, I'll go ahead and throw this out. My challenge for the next month, especially with everything that's going on, will be to try and achieve a scalable balance between work life and family life kind of stuff. You know, because that's definitely an area where I'm, I'm lacking and I'm kind of, I mean, it's pretty good, but right now it is reactionary. Whoever's crying the loudest, whether it's my baby or my customer, they're getting the attention. And it, it really can't be that way. I need to have a good, healthy balance set in place and practice it. And I think everybody will be able to kind of feel that out, grow and develop with it, you know, know what to expect from a, on a consistent basis from me in that way. And then my company will be able to scale a little bit more. Cool. Agreed? Yeah, sure. I'm, I'm glad that uh, you do most of the talking on this, the business subject stuff because uh, I've got nothing to offer anybody. I can tell you, I can tell you how to be true. Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, I think the, I mean, a lot of people out there are like, well, what will make me successful? And then I'll have to go become that. And, and I don't think that's the right way to become successful. So what you're talking about is actually like a core fundamental belief thing that will make you successful. Just like you said, you're like, well, I don't have any business experience or background or whatever. This is how Brian sounds to me. I don't have any business (laughs) <laughs> I think that's how I sound to myself when I play it back. <laughs> Good impression, though. But uh, no, I mean, you, you'll you never be successful if you're always trying to do something that you shouldn't be doing in the first place. Period. Yeah, period. Good. Hey, you know what's funny? You know what's funny is I just realized that this thing that I said I need to work on um, that for the next month is my work-life balance. <laughs> well, I got that nailed down, bro. <laughs> well, you know, for those of you guys that don't know why that's uh, interesting is because well, it was probably two years ago that we talked about this. And I told you that you had good work-life balance. And then you asked me on a vlog what I meant by that. And you said, comment below. And I was like, well, it's, it was not, this is more than one YouTube comment answer. So I actually went on my YouTube channel and made a whole video about work-life balance. 
in response to your work-life balance one. I thought I had a pretty good answer. I can't remember what I say now because I haven't told any stories. It was about long. It. it was. It wasn't a short little. To your point, it wasn't a YouTube comment. <laughs> I it was might a need whole to video. go back and watch that. You know, in fact, that's what I'm going to do to start this next one month thing here. Is go back and watch my own advice. It's pretty cool. That, that's how uh, I learned a lot of things by making videos about them. I don't know how to do this. Let's make a video about it. <laughs> learn by teaching. Learn, yeah, learn. Let's let's figure out what this is. I'm gonna try and make a video on it. I have no idea what it is that I'm doing, and uh, maybe by making the video, I'll figure it out what it is that I'm doing. And it, by everybody's comments, like that's not how you do it. <laughs> You're supposed to do this. Oh, great, sweet. That was the goal. I was trying to figure this out. <laughs> there you go. Well, so one of the things that I think it would be good to cover at this point in time, so, you know, thank you guys for tuning in. Those of you who tuned in, please share this platform with your friends uh, and give us some feedback so that we can move forward organically and stuff like that. Uh, but that's my introduction to the podcast. Do you have anything else to add about why we're doing this or we're just doing it now? I mean, I really just wanted to do it. So I, I had a place to uh, put out my thoughts and words into the universe in an uncut fashion. Cusco uncut. Cusco uncut. Just one of the big long Cusco uncut. And now, now I'm, it, we reverted back to what you said it was going to be in the first place, which is you talking a lot and me just being a laugh track, where in this case, <laughs> none of the stuff you said this time was very funny, so I didn't really laugh at all. It was more just you talking to me just sitting here staring at my microphone. Well, that's going to be tough. I'll have to either get funny or you'll have to start speaking up. Yeah, I, I will speak up when we start talking about something that I know what I'm talking about. Because if we're going to talk about business, I don't know anything about it. I'm just going to let you talk about it. Because well, just the word business. I don't know. When you say the word business, to me, it's just like... Mm, boring, boring. Can somebody bring me a freaking taco, please, so I can eat while this business crap is done with? Well, let me tee this off to you then, and we'll move off the boring topic of business and move on to this past weekend. Everything that was going on with Carpet Fest. Oh, that was so. Awesome. Brian Cusco just hosted. I don't know how many Southwest Carpet Fests are. This was number you. five. Okay, so Southwest Carpet Fest number five, hosted by Brian Cusco, Triple B. How did that go? It was it was good. I mean, it was very successful. Well, everybody else told me it was successful, so I'm assuming it was successful because if everybody else doesn't think it's I could I could say it's successful. Everybody's like, no, it's well, sucks. you've been to them before, right? Who whose did you go? I, I'm pretty sure your carpet python came from a carpet fest. Yes, my first carpet python came from the first carpet fest that I attended, yes. which was at my buddy Travis's house, about 15 miles up the road. Okay, so how does this compare? It was. I'd say it was better. Sorry, Travis. <laughs> Only because it was at my house, so that, <laughs> so I didn't have to go anywhere. Everybody just came here. Even though Travis, please host next year if I don't host again because I don't want to have to go too far. <laughs> Which, well, what made it go? Because I'm in total agreement with you. I actually flew out from Pittsburgh to go to Southwest Carpet Fest, even though I have the OG Northeast Carpet Fest, which I did also attend anyways. But, you know, knowing that it was at your place, it was too good to pass up. You get to come see my other family out here, the Cusco family. I've, I've always enjoyed having a party, which is essentially what it was. You know, people just coming through and hanging out and having a good old time. I, I really enjoy those type of things. So it was very much a success in that way. Uh, everybody was hanging out, getting along. There were lots of good conversations being had, not just between myself, and, but between everybody. Every conversation I seemed to pick up, like everybody was having really good conversations. There's lots of good, I guess, this is a word I hate too, networking, you know. It was great networking. There was great networking going on. I love that word. I know you love the word. That's why I said it. That's why I'm here for that. Yeah, I know. I know. Stroking my stroking my strength. I guess I do really like networking. I just don't like that word. Um, (laughs) I love networking. Hate the word. But yeah, no, it was a 
a lot of fun. You know, it was. Well, tell us about it. I mean, like, what happened for those of us that weren't didn't get to be there? Well, basically, I I just pl- provided a place for people to show up, and luckily Brandon took the reins on you know arranging. Brandon Wheeler. Brandon Wheeler took the reins on arranging, uh, catering and people showing up and you know, making sure people knew that where they needed to go. You know, I just give him the information, and he would make sure it got to the right places, to the right people, so they could get here. I did have um, a lot of hesitation about having it here at the house. You know, when I was back in the day when I liked to invite people to the house parties, I didn't have a family. I didn't have little kids that I had to look after. And, and so there was hesitation on my part as far as that goes. People coming into my little safe haven up here on the hill. Yeah, because you got something to protect. I got something to protect. And I, I don't want to have to get to that point where I protect it because I've become a very ugly person when I have to get to that point. And I don't like to be that person. I like to be the person that loves everybody. And so I, I didn't want, you know, so I had those those hesitations. But luckily, um, you know, a lot of the people, it seems like the majority of the people in this thing are really cool people. And Well, you know, it, the cool thing about it for me, the, the atmosphere of the type of party it was, like you said, you opened your house, and obviously there's a lot just to that, and it's pretty overwhelming. But the cool thing was, it, you know what it really reminded me of was a few years ago, my grandmother passed away. And I live in the house now that my grandmother owned. So I bought it off of her while she was still alive. So like everybody, and I have a huge family, everybody in the family, I believe there was 250 people at this, this memorial service. So uh, they, the family came, my aunts and uncles, and asked me if we could have it at my house. And they're like, we'll take care of everything. And we're like, well, I don't know. Like there's, there's things, there's like parts of the house that need to be fixed or stuff that needs to be cleaned. So they actually had like a work party come in beforehand, patch a hole in the wall and clean up the extra bathroom that's like in the basement that we never used. So we'd have an extra bathroom for the party. They cut the grass and weed whacked. And then when the day of the party came, they came and they brought these giant pop-up tents and tons of chairs and everybody was like potluck style. Um, and I think it was partially catered too. But they all show up with all the food, and then they did all the dishes when everything was done, and they took it all away. Yeah, that's definitely very much what happened here. That's you know, exactly what happened. Chairs, people were bringing And tables. this was like Hartle Family Memorial Gathering, you know what I mean, which is as tight a community as you can possibly get. Everyone is either blood or long-term family friends. And here yesterday or this weekend, whatever day it was, two days ago, we have, what, something like 30, 40 people mm-hmm. that show up that – Many of us have never actually even met in person. Right. And somehow it was as tight as my family gathering for the passing of my grandmother. Yeah, and that's, that's a... Uh, that's Explain that one to me. Well, we can attribute that, attribute that to everybody that attended, you know. Yeah. Everybody was really cool. Everybody was hanging out. You know, everybody had their own little things, and it, it just jived well together, obviously. Well, I, I mean, I think you're right. And I, we it can, is. Nobody, nobody there's was, too long of a list for us to go down and thank everybody that, that actually did that. But the, the crazy thing is... You know, so I went to Eric Burke's house to the Northeast Carpet Fest, and it was the same thing. Mostly different people, exactly the same type of party. Yeah. I want to give a shout out to Hillary for, you know, doing it because I'm very, I'm much more open with my house and and stuff like that a lot of times. uh, Example, like when we'd have people visiting us in Hawaii, you know, people would come and visit for like a couple weeks at a time. And when it came time for them to go, I would be like, 
oh, you, you want to maybe change your tickets and you can stay a little longer because we're having fun. So like, why do you want to leave? Just like what happened today with you when you had your thing, yeah, you're yeah. trying to Listening book, you're trying to leave. Right you're like, well, I got to Go get ahead, my ship and I got to leave pretty soon to get out of here in time. And I'm like, well, what if, if I drag my feet real hard to get this little podcast started and you end up having to leave tomorrow instead? Like, is that going to ruin your life? Because I'll help you get out of here if you really need to. But if you really don't need to get out of here today specifically, I will drag my feet so that you're stuck here hanging out an extra day. Because that's what I want. In the in the uh, interest of authenticity, huge shout out to Justin Studeni who has to go pick these snakes up the day later and screw up his work schedule again so that we can do this thing. Thanks, Justin. <laughs> but no, I mean, you know, why why is it that? Well, let's let's get a little deep here for a minute. Is that okay with oh, you? Oh, please. I'm tired of this business crap. <laughs> Here's what I want to know. Uh, I, I have a quote um, that I actually pulled up because it, it made me think of Carpet Fest that I wanted to go over. But it, it says, a happy family is but an earlier heaven. You know, and it, this is actually kind of like my takeaway or whatever from the weekend is that all these people we haven't met, we've never known each other. I, you know, I drove up here with a big suburban, like pick people up along the way. And I don't know, everyone was, for the most part, everybody was taking care of each other. No one was like, hey, what are you going to do to take care of me, dude? And, and so it really felt like family. And so, you know, it sounds silly to say this, but talking with a bunch of reptile people in your snake room and out in your driveway was like heaven to me. Like, this is what I hope heaven is all about. You know what I mean? If I die and it's a big, long carpet fest like that where you just get to hang out and have fellowship with each other for all eternity, that would be rad. Yeah, and I mentioned that at the beginning of when you guys first showed up. When I, and I said it on, on the vlog, I I was like, it's just getting started, and uh, I can already tell that I'm, when, the, when the time comes time for the weekend to be over, I'm like, I don't want to end, which is what we just talked about. You are about to leave, and I was like, how about one more day? <laughs> Garrett's the last one, so I don't have to convince everyone to stay if I just hold him captive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, a happy. What was the quote again? A happy family is but an early heaven. It's so yeah. weirdly worded, but it is. Well, it's a quote, so you know you have to make it yeah, hard word to word. remember so that everyone word. remembers it. A happy family is but an earlier heaven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I like it. I. Uh, well, yeah, that's I, not I very. Just, that's not a shallow quote. I feel like deep in we're supposed no. to, the segment was supposed to be deep in the shallow end. So you got to find some shallow quotes and we'll get, try to get deep about it. I'm, right now I'm trying to figure out how to get shallow about that quote. How it's do not, you take that shallow? Well, I don't know. No, I mean, I just think, I just think like, you know, if, if heaven, the idea of, of a heaven is, is this realization of us just kind of living and dwelling within the purpose of what we were made to do. That's what I think of it, right? We all get to be our true authentic self finally dwell within the purpose of what we were able to do without all the holdups that our our daily lives have and that's my true driving force that's that's the one that's one of the main driving forces behind everything i do is to live in that moment that oh, is there you go heaven on earth the moment of but heaven. but i think that's why it was all about carpet fest because the people that are there that's what they love more than anything else all the people that go to this reptile backyard barbecue or whatever you want to call it, you know, they are, they're, they're living in that moment, at least according to their true purpose, which for, you know, weirdly for us is like hanging out with reptiles. 
<laughs> yeah, that's true. That's a, that's a great way to look at it, man. And, and I think because we're all hanging out and experience that kind of like version of heaven, it starts to feel like family. Yeah. Family you've never met before, but you're like, like for me, I have a huge family. So I grew up in California. Most of my family was back in Pittsburgh. So I would go back every couple of years and I would see cousins and stuff and just be like, cousins. <laughs> yeah. And that, that's almost what it was like. Like, yay. Right. Yeah. I mean, I've got a big family. I come from a big family as well. You know, the aunties, uncles, everybody gets together. When we get so together. You know the feeling like I haven't seen you in years, but I love you as much as ever. Yeah. Just yeah. pick right up where you left off. Right. And that's how it feels with, with really good friends too. Like my, my buddies, even my homies I haven't seen for years now. I know that as soon as we get back together, it's going to be like we never it's just like it was yesterday you know right right and that yeah. is, that is heaven that familiar that familiarity i do imagine that is what heaven feels like you know if there if there is the heaven which is right the question like everybody unencumbered being able to be themselves all the time yeah and and comfortable in your own skin and everything feels good it's warm it's happy and yeah and just surrounded by people and, and beings that that make you feel good about what you're doing and yourself and yeah, that was that was what Carp that's what Carpet Fest was for me. For sure. Yeah. What was the was there a singular moment about Carpet Fest that really stood out to you? Yeah, or like your favorite one. Hundred percent. My buddy Bradley. Um, I, I mentioned this on my vlog too already, but my um, he just came up to me at this one point. It was early on, um, early in the day, and and just kind of, he's a very observant person. He's highly observant, probably more observant than most people I know, like just reads people's body languages like crazy. Like you can just pick up. He was up. sitting back and watching all, all evening, you know what I mean? Yeah, he's very extremely observant and is very, very, uh, was able to pick out that something was wrong with me just by the way I was moving. Like they, even though I was okay, you know, I'm not like, I was not ailing extremely, but and he just came up and asked me like, are you okay? And, <laughs> and the, but just the way he asked it, like, I knew that he recognized the thing about me that wasn't okay, which in the grand scheme of things isn't that bad. You know, I'm doing, I'm doing good, generally speaking. But I've been struggling with, with stuff, you know, a couple, a couple of deep struggles I've been having with myself and, and kind of control issues that go back to early addiction stuff, and I have been struggling with it. And he recognized it, called me out on it, and we proceeded to have a conversation. I stood in my driveway and teared up and cried like a little, little baby a little bit and uh, let him know what my struggles were. And uh, he, helped, awesome. he helped me through them and helped me feel, regain that power where, helped me feel that I regained that power, um, helped me to regain that power in myself and find it and realize that I do have full control over everything I do and that that made me feel a lot better about everything. Um, he was able to, to bring that moment forward for me which that was the moment for me on the weekend. And, and then that was, look, that was towards the beginning. So the rest of the weekend went much, much more smooth after that. <laughs> well, that works out well. <laughs> yeah. In fact, I didn't, I didn't drink at Carpet Fest, which is almost unheard of. Like I, reptile gathering events, like. No, you didn't drink at all. I had zero alcohol. Yeah. Huh. Which I'm not saying that having alcohol is a bad thing at all. I think it's a very good way to, uh, Help people. No, I mean, I, there was a few people that drank heavily, and that, and <laughs> which is fine. And then there was there was people that were like, you know, I'll have a beer. Yeah, no, I, I had zero, and I still. And the awesome thing was, I had just as good a time as if I had been, you know, 
partaking. It was, it I've, was great. I've never needed it to have a good time, you know what I mean? So, yeah, well, it's, it's a good thing not to, I think. I think the whole idea of a, of a sponsored libation for this show is just to bring out the less professional version of myself. <laughs> yes, we need that because if we're going to be doing professional stuff the whole time, I'm going to sit here and not say much. <laughs> <laughs> It'll just be the... Uh, the uh, you can let me make an ass of myself. Yeah, we'll just we'll have, we'll get rid of the uh, triple B <laughs> sign and we'll just put up the Reach Out Reptiles logo and we just oh, c- c- yeah. pencil me out of the logo. <laughs> why don't you start with the triple B and then like as it just starts to derail, you can quietly walk back and hang up the Reach Out Reptiles so that if any of those clips are taken out of context, we'll know exactly who to blame. Well, you know, I got to say, for me, it was twofold. Uh, obviously, I'm here on Monday, and we're still going. So for me, Carpet Fest was like, what, a week-long event this time, pretty much. Right. Um, but uh, so the best thing overall, and I knew this was going to happen, but it was just actually coming out here and hanging with your family. I freaking love your kids, dude. Even when, like, I feel like every time I touch Eli, I hurt him. I smashed his nose and twisted his wrist and... <laughs> I mean, you know, he's a little, he likes to cry and run to mom at this point in time anyways, but I was always the one giving him the excuse to, so felt bad about that. And then, you know, we, we talked about your daughter, Leah, with her, her baby resting bitch face. <laughs> I even, I even, I even pulled up a, like a meme of the grumpy cat that everybody knows. And I was like, dude, look, I took a picture of her. I put them side by side and it's a perfect fit. So, yeah, even though your kids may not entirely appreciate me, you know, and I'm sure Hillary's probably getting sick of me by now, too. But that was the highlight of my weekend. I got to come. And this sounds totally weird, but, you know, I know Hillary had a hard time the day before Carpet Fest, like on Friday, just like, you know, migraine and stuff like that, anxiety attack or, or whatever um, that she was dealing with. But it was it was cool to be able to come early and just – I don't know. I, I just, I mean, because in her eyes, I'm sure I'm still one of the guests of Carpet Fest and I'm here early and she's having a hard time. But we have a, we have a, at least a little bit more of a relationship between my family and yours. So it was cool to be able to just sort of well, hang out with her. That's what I really appreciate about you is that you, you're not just here for me, you're here for my whole family. And that, that puts you in a very much more special place in my heart right off the bat just because of that. And um, like, I, I really can't uh, fully express like how much that really means to me that you have that in you because uh, it's just, it's really special. You don't find people like that enough in this world that like truly care about everything that um, you truly care about. And like you, you show that like in a really strong, it comes through really strong. Like the, the amount of love that you show, it, it comes from such a real place that like, um, I, don't, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to, speak without losing it um that didn't work and i have no empathy here we're on opposite ends of the spectrum but i figure it's a good time to pour another glass <laughs> yeah no it's uh i really appreciate that and it makes hillary because you know it's it's the event for reptiles which hillary has no passion for reptiles she, right. she does like the animals you know especially not no, she's tourists. like she's a lot like my wife in a lot of ways she's like ridiculously supportive for no reason other than she's awesome yeah right just like ashley and uh, so, so to have you, you know, take the time to, to set aside and it's not that you're doing, you know, I don't see you doing it just like as a courtesy thing. You're doing it because you're feeling it and it makes it that much better. You go to s- take a time to sit aside and, and talk with the family and hang out with them and have those moments with them. It makes it so much better that to, you're involving them and, and Noah 
you know, yesterday when he was asking you if you were staying for another day, he was pretty excited. He was like, oh, awesome. You're going to stay? You're staying longer? He's like, that's great. Well, he, he, likes, he likes my frog bedtime stories. <laughs> yeah, and you were sitting there t- talking bedtime stories with the kid. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about, dude. That's, that's, some, real, that's some real stuff right there. It's, yeah. So that was, that was definitely... Uh, uh, you know, overall the weekend, the highlight and everything was just getting to hang with your family, but it's not necessarily carpet fest related. It's just the excuse for me being here this time. So uh, I guess if we're going to narrow it down to the best moment within carpet fest, you know, I have to go with the narcissistic one, which was like, you know, me getting to play with the pied, you know, that was, that was a pretty special, pretty magical moment. Dude. There's something, there's something there. I mean, I, I, I talk, I about love that snake, that snake. I I love that. Even snake. when Brandon, I, I brought this up, and nobody else, not not nobody else, but Brandon didn't see, it, but he was also standing there. He had been heavily um, imbibed at that point, anyway. So, but the when, the moment you laid hands on her, her her demeanor changed. I right. watched. I was standing back here, and I was watching very closely. And literally the second that you your hands went went on her, I I watched her her demeanor change her body language changed I, instantly i genuinely love that snake yeah so. it was really crazy to see and it happened again and then the opposite of it when you actually had her outside and you were moving her around and like and you got to a calm spot and you would be petting her on the same spot and then kenny comes up and touches her in the same spot she's not even looking at you guys right she's not even looking back yeah, she's, looking, she's distracted in the other direction with her with her vision and he came up and touched her and, and she it, knew it and she and she immediately swip whipped around was like who's touching yeah. me that's not garrett yeah, yeah. Well, she that, so that like snake. I don't know background people, but I'm sure everybody. You know, if you guys want to see it, you got to go watch uh, Brian Cusco's vlogs and the Triple B stuff. Everything with the angry pied is this girl. But I got her as an adult. Worked with her for a couple of years, and then you know, I uh, the whole reason why she came here. I sent her out to Brian on breeding loan, which is kind of comical because you haven't actually bred that species yet. So, and this is probably one of my, you know, from a dollar point perspective, one of my most invested morph projects, you know, but because I, I, I'm not working with the mainlands, this entire project is to get all of the best genetic traits of this group of animals into one male that I can then breed to my superdwarf females from the business aspect. But I kind of realized that I don't have to be the one to do that. And if I'm really just trying to get one, this actually goes back to your thing of saying, like, everyone thinks they have to breed and sell animals to make money. I realized that, you know, if I strip everything else away, my purpose for having this project is to get one animal. And if you remember the deal we worked up, I was like, listen, I just want the pick of the litter because I need my one animal, right? And then you can take whatever you want and then we'll go ahead and wholesale the rest. That's fine. I don't remember why you wanted them. I probably conned you into yeah, it. No, you conned me into it. I didn't want them. There was, there was never a, a want on this end. It was. Well, I can tell you. I can tell you why I wanted to con you into it is because I actually did love the animals, and even though you had never bred them before, I knew that they would be treated with the same care and respect here that I would give them back home, which goes beyond their value as a breeder or as a commodity. You know, I, I knew that whatever it was that they needed, even though obviously she's been a huge royal pain in your ass for two years, that you were going to still treat her with that kind of love and respect. And the fact that you even tried to do stuff like sit down in the room and spend two hours getting her to chill out with you is a, te- a, a powerful testimony to that. 
Well, yeah, I wanted her to like me, dude. <laughs> We're back to the codependency thing. <laughs> I just want everybody to like me. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> Well, anyway, so so as far as like within the carpet fest context, the best part of the weekend for me was just being able to get to handle her again. And it was kind of funny the way it worked out because it's been this big building tension uh, thing with you and your channel and stuff over the vlog. It's always been like, look at us and our happy family and the pied who ruined it all. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's just been escalating and escalating until this point where you call me and you're like, I, I can tell that you were like not enjoying that phone call. We're like, Garrett, you have to take her back. I'm not going to, you know, it kind of came with taking on the birthday party thing and you had some whatever random excuses. But ultimately, you called me to tell me I never bred the snakes the way we talked about, but it's time for you to come get them back. You know, which is, a, it amounts to saying no to somebody. And it's always hard to say no to people, you know. So you had to call me and tell me no, and you didn't like it. And I was like, well, there's the phone call I've been waiting for. <laughs> but to be fair, the people that I that I really respect and like, I have, I have an easier time telling them no. It was, that wasn't the, the telling you no thing. It was me telling that you that you had to do something that you necessarily weren't ready to do or didn't want to do. And you had, and I was giving you very little uh, preparation time to do it. So. And then telling me I had to fly out, build my own boxes, ship my own snakes, and do it all by myself. Yeah. You and left, and also you left that part out to microphone, like, sir, please. Oh my goodness! <laughs> Get all up in this microphone. <laughs> anyway, it was it was really cool with the whole journey that it's been for you guys and everything. And honestly, I miss the snake. I mean, I I focus. I don't get to catch every one of the shows that you put up because I just don't have that much time to. Lit, I literally don't have that much time of the day to watch as much content as you put up. But. Um, I, I, you know, I zero in on anything that has to do with her because I want to make sure she's okay and that you're okay with her, you know. So it, it was really cool to come back after years and just reconnect with her a little bit. And the fact that we got to do it at Carpet Fest, I feel like it was like a good teachable moment for a lot of people. It, it was. It was kind of like the – it was the reptile – it was the reptile moment of the, of the event. Right. It was. Right. And so that, it, that was really cool for me – you know, and, and while everyone's like, ooh, ah, angry big snake or whatever, I'm just like in the moment with this animal. Like I'm just in her space. And like you, for those of you that want to see it, you can watch the vlog. At one point, she strikes at me. Dude, she came. She was two inches from your face, bro. That was crazy to me. It looked crazy. I don't know how it felt. But it looked crazy. It felt, it felt like I was interested to play it back because I was wondering how much of my adrenaline made it feel like she was that close. But, I mean, it was like she was close enough that if she had closed her mouth, she would have scratched me with no, it. The crazy thing is she, she like, made it – as close as she was there, she made the conscious decision not to actually commit to your face. She had, it wasn't that she ran out of strike range. No, no, she, she had absolutely had strike range to reach your face. Yeah, she and was that, there. that was kind of the cool part of it. She was very aware of her space and mine and everything that that animal did. She's always just pushing you off with her teeth. You know, there was actually a moment and you captured this on the video, too, where I used my foot and I put up my foot and she was striking and grabbing at my foot. But I could tell in that that was the when Kenny went and touched her. And it changed her. And this, she was like, I'm going to advance. It, it just flashed by. I'm, I'm, I'm making a human connection to what she was doing to you. There was a, there was a moment a long time ago. One of, my, one of my best friends, my buddy Ben, um, fairly nonviolent, very nonviolent person. But um, 
you know, he obviously is, is a person and doesn't want his space invaded. And my, another guy at the party was just like, just pushing him, pushing him, pushing him, you know. And uh, he got to a point where he grabbed him and like, God, just grabbed him, threw him in the room, grabbed him, grabbed him in his face, and was like, just leave me alone. Like inches from his face, pulling him in. And I feel like that's what she was doing with you. Like she's like, I'm not going to hit you because I'm, I don't want to really hurt you. I just want you to leave me alone. Right. Yeah, exactly. And we put her away after that. But like I said, you know, there's one thing when I was dealing with her, when she struck at my face, it was a bluff strike and she never intended to connect. And she got so, only so close and didn't. Now, the other times she was like ready to bite someone. I offered her my foot. So she bit on my shoe a couple times, realized that that wasn't you know, like that was a way that doesn't hurt her. It lets her bite down. And it kind of it actually snapped her out of that, too. Like, OK, I bit. I told them I'm done, you know, got her back out of that. But uh but yeah, I mean, I don't know all the idiosyncrasies of me and her relationship. And, you know, I was out there playing with her. And I think there were people who were like, well, I want to touch it, too. And it and she was like, nope, that's not the way this is going to go down. You know, and, and she put it back out there. And and yeah, it was uh, it was it was cool. It was just it was fun to reconnect with her. I'm glad that she respects me that much to to be like well I don't want to fight with you to the death or anything right now I just want you to give me a certain amount of personal space and then we're okay don't force yourself on me I'm not going to force myself on you that's the way we've always been me and her you know which is in contrast to what she'd experienced in the past because I didn't raise her from a baby but I got her as an adult and she had some some negative previous experiences so it was kind of cool to you know see it's you know it reminds me of is like those videos where the dude like raises the African lion and then releases it and then he goes and sees it in the wild and you're like is it gonna eat him or will it remember him and it runs up and tackles the guy and you're like is it gonna bite or is it gonna lick you know and that was that was my I mean it's not exactly the same her biting my shoe and striking at my face but that was my moment for her I was like she remembers me at least enough to respect me and not want to you know go toe to toe. So, good, good moment. moment. Good, good moment. moment. Yeah. Well, but. dude. I mean, we definitely covered the business stuff. I think we're, I think we're at a good, good break point for the first uh, episode. Yeah. I I don't know how you guys feel, but I would love if you guys would reach out to us with any feedback you have and kind of help us organically grow as we move into this thing. Um, you know, I'm coming. Act actually, you're talking about wanting to to record from the same room or whatever. I'm actually coming back out to California a couple of weeks. For the super show, well, I'll that's bring even going to be. We'll record the next. If you episode. if you can bring all the stuff, maybe that's the time to do it, and then you know we'll we'll do a timed release or whatever. Because guys, these aren't going to be live for the most part, uh, but we're going to record them as we can, yeah. release once a month because that's the crazy live that you know Brian and I have at this moment. So, but yeah, I guess uh, you know let's just go ahead and sign off. You know, good night, good day, whatever the heck it is to everybody. Um, you know, just to cap it off, my name is Garrett Hartle. My company is Reach Out Reptiles. If you want to get a hold of me, my email is Garrett at ReachOutReptiles.com. Uh, my name is Brian Cusco. My business is trying to get people to love on everything that they do. <laughs> and uh, you can reach me on my vlog channel at Brian Cusco YouTube. All right. With that, peace. Catch you next time.